Welcome to another episode of Career Library, the place where real people talk about real life careers. Now let me introduce to you your host in the red trunks weighing in at 220 pounds, the lean, mean, colorful commentator and intricate interviewer, the awesome and entrepreneurial Chris Hold the Phones, it's Jones. Welcome back to another episode of Career Library. I'm your host, Chris Jones, and today we are going to go over uh, part three of my life. And so I've had some requests from some of the listeners to uh, get back on that, and they want to hear the rest of the story. So this isn't going to be the final episode, but uh, it's a good section of the episode. And so where we left off uh, last time was me working at Southwestern Controls in Houston, Texas, and attending Bible College, and I had made my decision to do missionary work in the Republic of Ireland. And so this was in April of 2000 when I had decided this and so my family and I we had spent the next year um, after April 2000 paying off bills saving money um, downsizing we moved into a little trailer that I think we paid like $200 a month to rent out there in Alvin, Texas. And then I got an extra like 50 or hundred bucks taken off of the rent for mowing the grass there. And so we were doing everything we could to uh, downsize and get our bills paid off. And so in January of 2001, we started visiting churches on Sundays to present our ministry uh, to Ireland. And that was a um, it seemed like it was taking a very long time to raise any type of support. We had raised a little bit of support, and so it was going very slowly, and it felt like it was taking forever uh, to raise the support that we needed. And so um, in August of 2001, I decided to uh, quit my job at Southwestern Controls and go full-time into mission work and raise the support that we needed to go to Ireland. And so at this point, I think we had about $700 a month coming in from people that were supporting us and our mission. And so we uh, just launched out into the blue. And so shortly thereafter, um, we know what happened uh, in September of 2001. We had the terrorist attacks, attacks and uh, this postponed some of our meetings. Uh, however, it did increase the number of people that were attending church at the time uh, across the country, and it freed up uh, funds in many of the churches to be able to support missionaries. And so if there was anything good that could possibly come out of that, that would probably be it, um, was that uh, more people started attending churches. And so um, we got started going out on Sundays to churches, uh, both in the a.m and the p.m. services and then uh, we added Wednesdays and Thursdays um, to our visits and so what my typical day looked like then uh, when I went into the full-time uh, ministry and raising support uh, I'd spent about six hours a day um, calling churches leaving messages setting appointments and explaining our mission uh, and our ministry over the phone uh, the rest of the day I spent developing messages to preach and uh, perfecting our presentation to the uh, ministry uh, in Ireland and then we also uh, spent uh, sent out a monthly newsletter to inform those that supported us and let them know what was going on in our lives, um, let them know how our support was coming along and so on and so forth. And we continued those letters uh, when we were in Ireland and sent those back as just kind of reports of, you know, how the mission work was going and stuff like that. And so when we first began uh, going out and visiting churches, we had a little Mercury Villager minivan. And uh, some Sundays we would drive four or five hours between uh, the a.m. and the p.m. service. So we'd be in a church, say, in Houston, Texas on a Sunday morning and then we would drive all the way to Dallas uh, in the for the evening service we'd do the evening service and then we'd drive back to uh, Houston that evening get back you know one two o'clock in the morning and so uh, some churches would provide us with a hotel or um, have a family that we could stay with and so uh, that was convenient and helped us out a lot when that would happen 
uh, other churches had missionary houses, housing in the church. And so um, some churches across the United States actually have a quarters for people to stay and uh, to help folks out uh, when they're traveling and so on and so forth. Um, one of the uh, churches, uh, <laughs> this is kind of funny, um, one of the churches uh, put us up in a fisherman's cabin. Um, this place was absolutely horrible. It had two stained mattresses, no sheets or blankets or pillows. Um, there were spiders, roaches, and God knows what else was in there. Um, we got there on a Saturday um, evening and spent the night and went to the church the next morning and presented our mission there. Needless to say, uh, I or my family barely got any sleep that night. And so after this, uh, we started looking to uh, get a travel trailer. Uh, we found an old pickup truck. It was a uh, Ford F-350. I'm not sure what model, what year it was. Uh, got about five miles to the gallon. Uh, the thing was a beast, uh, but it had issues. <laughs> we were uh, also looking you know we were looking to get a fifth wheel uh, to tow behind it and uh, one of the families uh, in our church at the time said that they had uh, had one that wasn't being used and said that we could use it and so we used the fifth uh, their fifth wheel for the next two and a half years while we traveled across the United States trying to raise support to go to Ireland um, another person in the church worked for Ford and saw that we were driving uh, this beast and said uh, we need to come by her dealership and see uh, what she might have uh, something better for us to tow the trailer with. So we went, ended up trading in the beast, uh, the F-350 and, and I think another car at the time and ended up getting a 99 uh, F-250 extended cab diesel. Uh, it was a silver truck. Uh, it was a nice truck. We loved traveling in it and so we had the extended cab with the bench seat in the back uh, so the three of my kids could sit back there and then my wife and I up in the front. And so um, I'm still to this day I'm not sure how she got the financing through because we we were only making like seven, maybe $800 a month at that time. Uh, truck payment itself was $699 per month. Um, and yeah, we were probably making about $1,000 a month at the time. Uh, but we didn't have any other bills. Uh, we didn't have, we weren't paying rent anymore. We didn't have any credit card debt or anything like that, no other debt. So that was the only bill we had was that and then our food and, and uh, um, groceries and stuff. So during this time we were, um, staying in a person's barn yes that's right we were in a living in a barn um it was a really actually it was a really nice apartment uh that was built in this metal barn and uh, it had air conditioning heat and all that it was a one bedroom apartment it had a long hallway uh that we uh put the kids in to sleep uh, they slept in the hallway and then um it had a kitchen in it and a seating area and that was pretty much it it was maybe maybe 700 square feet um, at the max and so these far folks that uh, lived on this piece of land they had a large piece of land with a pond and a big house on it and we were there living there rent free and it was given to us from somebody um, we thought was kind uh, a kind lady uh, in the church which we later found out to be a crazy lady and I'll go into that here in just a little bit um, so back back to the travel trailer so we bought the uh, brought the travel trailer over to the barn that we were living in uh, with our truck and parked it uh, to get ready to travel. Uh, it needed a little love uh, and a lot of cleaning. Uh, the travel trailer had been sitting for a while. And so we cleaned it up and got it ready to do some traveling. I think we had the trailer there for a couple of weeks. And then on a the Saturday before Easter in 2002, um, Crazy showed up at the door and showed her true colors. Uh, she came over to the barn apartment, banged on the door, and said that we needed to be out by Monday. 
and we asked her what was wrong and she said that we had a travel trail to live in now and we didn't need to be there anymore uh, needless to say i was a little bit pissed off <laughs> about the whole thing at the least and so uh we moved, uh, moved the travel trailer that afternoon to another location and packed up the truck. Um, I loaded up the truck with everything that we had, which wasn't much in that apartment. Um, put uh, all the stuff in the bed of the truck. And then on uh, Easter Sunday, we drove it to the church and we parked it right in front of the church. And of course, people asked, you know, well, what's going on? Why is your truck all loaded up with all this stuff? And I just told them simply go talk to the crazy lady. And so you would think that uh, this would invoke some shame or at least an apology from the crazy lady, but crazy mm -mm, doesn't understand. So crazy's going to do what crazy does. And so in the months ahead and years ahead, we proceeded to travel across the United States. We went as far west as California and to the east uh, to Florida, um, north all the way up to North Dakota and south all the way down into Mexico. Uh, we lived in a 33 and a half foot uh, fifth wheel for two and a half years with three kids. Uh, we homeschooled the kids during this time. Looking back, these were some of the best times and most testing times of our lives, but uh, I wouldn't change it for anything. And some of the uh, some of the challenges that we faced was uh, constant maintenance on the fifth wheel. On our first long trip, we were heading to uh, Oklahoma from Houston, Texas. We got a flat tire on the fifth wheel in Oklahoma, and I had never changed a, a tire on a fifth wheel before. And it was uh, I was struggling. It was hot. I was on the side of the road. I couldn't get the jack to lift the tra uh, the trailer tire off the ground because of the distance was too long from the ground to the frame of the uh, trailer. So thankfully, <laughs> after falling with that for about maybe 15, 20 minutes, uh, some gentleman pulled up next to us in a big dually pickup truck and asked if we needed some help. And we said, yeah, definitely need some help. Can't figure out how to get this uh, thing jacked up. And uh, he showed us some tricks. Uh, he said to put some wood in front of or behind the good tire because we had dual axles on the back on the trailer and so and then so it was the the front axle tire on the driver's side that was blown out and so we put wood behind the uh, good tire um, and then we just backed the trailer up onto the wood which raised up the uh, trailer and then he says we put the jack underneath of the axle um, of the bad tire uh, jack that up and then you'll be able to take the uh, the old one off and put the spare on spare one on and of course we went to go to put the spare one on and the old tire uh, the spare tire was flat um, but this nice old guy he had an air compressor and was able to fix it and, and uh, get us on down the road and so we were able to make it to our meeting there um, one time we were traveling and we decided to uh, put our dog in the trailer while we were driving our little dog was named Chapitos. Um, we adopted her from Mexico. Uh, we were in a mission uh, trip down there in Mexico in um, the Chiapas Mountains, if you know where that's at. And um, we, this dog was there, and the dog was uh, the runt of the litter. It couldn't climb the stairs to get onto the roof to uh, go eat at dinner time, and so they were just going to let the dog die. These people there, and so. Um, my wife, she rescued the dog and had it taken to the vet, had it groomed, had it cleaned up. As a matter of fact, this dog was in such bad shape when they brought it back from the groomers and the vet. I didn't even recognize. I thought it was some some other dog that she had picked up. Um, but uh, the dog's name was Chipitos, and uh, the dog's name, we did not name it, uh, was named after a fat Mexican comedian. And so uh, <laughs> I can't make this up. That's exactly what her name was. She was named after a fat Mexican comedian. And so uh, we called or Chipitos, and that's what she she answered to and was one an awesome dog but anyway so back to the story um so 
we put the uh, put this little dog on there. She weighed in the travel trailer. She weighed about 10 pounds, and this didn't end well. We locked the dog in the bathroom of the trailer, put down some blankets and a bowl of water for her. We drove a few hours and stopped to check on her. So when we opened up the door, the poor dog was standing there shaking, covered in puke, and all wet. There was puke all over the place, and the bath and the bathroom door had come open, and there was water from the water bowl everywhere. We felt so bad for this little dog. Needless to say, the dog rode up front in the truck with us from there on. While we're on gross things, though, uh, I'm going to continue on the gross things. Our youngest daughter had some weird infatuation with shoving things up her nose and in her ears. So needless to say, when we were traveling, we ate a lot of, a lot of fast food because it was cheap and convenient. And so, well, our daughter uh, would shove french fries up her nose if we weren't paying attention as we drove down the road. My daughter sat in the car seat in the middle of the bench uh, seat of the extended cab, along with her brother and sister on each side of her. Uh, the dog sat on the console in the front in between my wife and I, and the dog would turn around when uh, everybody was eating and beg from my uh, youngest daughter, uh, beg food, and just wait for the inevitable. So my daughter, she would manage to stuff french fries up her nose as many as she could and eventually she would sneeze and the dog thought it was Christmas day. Uh, the dog would jump all around the truck eating up all the what we called booger fries and so the dog <laughs> would eat the booger fries. So um, another funny story, uh, one time we were going to Florida from Colorado and there was a hurricane watch in Florida. It was a uh, tropical depression and um, at the time and so there was a hurricane watch and so we uh, traveled for two and a half three days and got to Florida Panhandle where our meeting was and a couple of days in, in that couple of days and it was nighttime when we arrived it was around 10 p.m. on I think it was a Saturday night maybe been a Friday night and the rain from the tropical storm was just pounding and the wind was blowing uh, we pulled around behind the church where we were instructed to park the trailer. Uh, I got out in the pouring rain uh, to get the trailer set up. I was lowering the front stabilizers when two police cars pulled into, into the parking lot with their bright lights shining on me and my family in the truck. I'm in the rain. It's coming down like crazy. I uh, keep setting. Uh, I went ahead and kept setting up the trailer. Uh, and the two cops come over and ask me what I, what I was doing. And uh, so I, I was like, I'm setting up a trailer. I explained to them who, are, who I was and what I was doing there and asked them if they wanted to help me set up the trailer. Needless to say, they declined. Um, they said that they had a, a break-in at the church about a month ago and just wanted to check to make sure things were you know, legit with me being back there with the uh, travel trailer and wanted to make sure nothing uh, odd was going on or nobody was robbing the church. And so to which I, uh, I replied, as a smart aleck like I am, I said, there's a lot of burglars out here running around with uh, travel trailers and pickup trucks uh, robbing churches, huh? And needless to say, they didn't say anything. <laughs> they just turned around and went back uh, and got in their cruisers and left. So, um, well, after getting the uh, travel trailer set up, I'm soaked to the bone. Um, and everybody was tired. I was tired, ready for bed. And so I went to sleep. And about two hours later, my wife wakes me up and she's shaking me. She says, honey, I think there's a tornado. 
So I sit up and I listen for a few seconds and I hear this rumbling and it's getting closer and closer and closer. So I go open up the door to the to the trailer and uh, rain's just pouring in the door. Um, I'm getting soaking wet. The floor's getting soaking wet. It's pitch black outside. I can't see anything. I'm trying to figure out what the best play, plan of action is. How am I going to get my family? Where, what's the safest place to put them? And then I hear whoop, whoop. And there it is. It's a train. And so we were parked next to some train tracks that were about 200 yards away <laughs> from the trailer. My wife still laughs at this to this day about me standing there just getting soaking wet and it's just pouring rain on me while she's off to the side. Um, so just some funny things that have happened. Uh, it was a great time. Um, over those years, uh, we met a lot of really good people. Uh, we got to pick blackberries in the hills of the Ozarks with some really amazing folks in Missouri. Uh, we were able to camp in the Aspen Mountains of Grand Junction, Colorado. Uh, with a very welcoming welcoming family there. Uh, we also got to see wild elk herds uh, migrating while we were in the mountains, just absolutely beautiful. I got to go fishing in Arkansas in a private lake where I caught 14 largemouth baths largemouth bass in one morning and i kid you not i caught 14 i was just using a rapala lure boom 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 every time i threw it out i got a strike and uh, one of the young guys that was there he caught the largest bass uh that day and it turns out that it actually beat the state record for arkansas i don't know if he still got the state record or not um that was back in probably 2004 uh 2003 2004 and so that was absolutely awesome. Um, there were so many experiences uh, that we learned from in those years. Uh, my children got to go to countless zoos across the country uh, and amusement parks. Uh, all of this was provided by the loving kind folks at uh, different churches along the way. Um, one of my favorite places um, that I went to in the United States was actually northern Mississippi, believe it or not. It has uh, rolling hills and the people there are truly the salt of the earth. Um, the reason I like northern Mississippi is the the weather's nice, uh, but the people are even nicer. Uh, if you're ever by that way, I'd encourage you just to go and eat at any old uh, little old town uh, a little bit off the interstate there um, off I-55. Just go a few miles into one of the towns and just uh, sit down in one of the Bomb and Pop restaurants or any restaurant for that matter for the most part and just sit uh, and listen to the folks and how they speak to each other and they're just very kind-hearted folks just great folks another favorite place of mine was uh, North Dakota and this was on the uh, Great Lakes side the people there were also amazing uh, but one of the things that was really really amazing is we found a little mom and pop restaurant that served the best fish I've ever eaten e even even to this day and it was walleye I've never uh, tried walleye before, and when I went to that little place, we ate there literally every day, I think, that we could while we were up there. Uh, absolutely love walleye, so if I would, uh, if you've never tried walleye before, I would encourage you to do so immediately. So um, during, <laughs> during our two and a half years of traveling, uh, we were in over 250 churches across the United States and Mexico in which we either presented our mission or I preached or did both. Preaching and standing in front of crowds of people is a unique experience, to say the least. Um, as the speaker, you get to see all the little things that go on in the crowd, from moms correcting their children to people falling asleep to others who break out in a smile or tears. 
depending on what the moment and the message is. I had the pleasure of preaching to over 2,000 people in Matamoros, Mexico, and uh, 750 or so of those people were children. And in this particular church, they had all the children sit together, which would be a big no-no in America. But in Mexico, those children listened. They sat in their seats the whole time. Um, I had the pleasure of preaching through a translator, and that presented its challenges, but I learned some key takeaways as far as uh, um, I learned how to uh, speak through a translator, which was a challenging. Um, and so think, think back, um, you know, when you're using a translator, um, you have to, in your mind, convey the essence of your thoughts and make it compact and then pause so that the translator can translate the message. So you want to get your thought together, speak it, then allow the translator to translate it for you. Um, the other thing that I learned it is that it's way easier to speak in front of thousands of people than it is in front of tens of people. Uh, so if you got a crowd of you know, 10, 15 or 20 or five, it's harder to speak to those than it is to speak to thousands. So uh, it's a lot easier to speak to thousands because it's just kind of uh, the energy and the uh, um, atmosphere. And then you're not worried about uh, somebody looking weird or make, giving you a dirty look or giving you a strange look um, because it just kind of all blends in. You're just kind of speaking out to the masses. And so it's a very interesting experience. Um, another church that we were in in New Mexico, um, this was also a big church, had maybe five, 600 people in it. Uh, I preached a revival there. And a revival is just a dedicated consecutive number of days that are set aside for church folk uh, to meet every night and sing and listen to the Bible being taught. It's kind of like a faith vacation, I guess you would say. Um, so this revival ran from Wednesday to Sunday um, with the church meeting every night. I was chosen by the pastor to speak through the whole week, uh, which I didn't have any forewarning on, so I was studying every day uh, while we were there. Um, and so we had uh, we had a great meeting each night, and then on Sunday morning, uh, when we were closing out the uh, services and the revival, um, I heard a loud boom uh, from the back of the building, and the whole building shook, and the lights flickered, and then came back on. I saw some people in the back run out, uh, run out and outside, and then they came back and said everything's okay. Someone just crashed into the church building again. Apparently, this was a regular occurrence in this church. Uh, I was told by the people uh, in the church that uh, people would come to the four-way stop that was outside the church. It's about 50 yards away from the intersection. And the, uh, they would run the stop sign. And if they were going fast, there was like a little hump, I guess, in the middle. And it would throw their car, if they were coming in a certain direction, would throw their car off the road and it would send them through their parking lot and into the side of their church. And nobody ever parked on that side of the building. Now I know why. Um, and so they just slammed into the side of the building. And so uh, we just carried on, finished up the service. The guy was okay who hit the, uh, hit the building. Uh, I think he totaled the car, though, because it was pretty well beat up and there were some repairs that needed to be done to the church. And so there were many great experiences that we had um, during this time. And time doesn't really allow me to uh, share all of them. Uh, we eventually raised our support and put all of our uh, belongings uh, into a container. Uh, we bought plane tickets and we moved to Ireland. I'm going to stop here um, for today and I'm going to pick it up next time uh, where we go off to the mission in Ireland. Uh, thank you for joining today on this episode of Career Library. I hope you enjoyed it. And until next time, this is Chris Jones signing off.
a 10 piece to a 20 quick. I got money busting out the money clip. Make a call and hit another lick. Someone get the money counter, I can keep a thumb in it. Turn a 10 piece to a 20 quick. I got money busting out the money clip. Make a call and hit another lick. Someone get the money counter, I can keep a thumb in it. Okay, I'ma hit the 20 off a laptop. In a Zoom meeting, making money is my backdrop. Ballpoint base hit harder than a slap shot. Flew up my baby toe to rub me like I'm Epcot. I've been doing road on the go, go Get a bag and flip it, that's for sure If it's show, show That was never talking about nothing Turn it down and go get you some money Turn a 10 piece to a 20 quick I got money busting out the money clip Make a call and hit another lick Someone get the money counter I can keep on coming in Turn a 10 piece to a 20 quick I got money busting out the money clip Make a call and hit another lick Someone get the money counter I can keep on coming in Eyes on the money Brothers got my back Streets moving funny So I been holding strap Not playing defense We been on the attack Plotting the scheme And how we gon' get it back Designer all on you But you can't buy the swag No mirrors Those fufu I can see the tag You can bet if I spend in this Cause I get it back I'm 5G You're dollar I can see the lag All I ever wanted Was to have it all Got close Never froze Had to risk it all As a little boy I wish I was a little tall Never made the league I find other ways To let me ball Make a call and hit another lick Someone get the money counter, I can keep on thumbing it